Two men go up to the temple to pray. One returns home justified. The other should have stayed home in the first place. Hey friends, welcome to Sipping on the Sabbath. Whether you're watching this or whether you're listening to the podcast, you are most welcome. I am fresh back from my pilgrimage sojourn to the Diocese of St. John in New Brunswick. Special shout out to my new friends from Mother Teresa Parish in Sussex and St. Dunstan's Parish in Fredericton, where I was very privileged to be able to celebrate Mass and preach the Word. Glad to have you here. Special thanks to Bishop Christian, Father Dennis, and Father Darren for the hospitality they showed to me. Back behind me here, new design of a studio, including some coffee bags that are now empty, having consumed coffee from various locales in the city of St. John and Fredericton. So God bless you all. Coffee is good across this great dominion of, of Canada. Last week, the Lord gave us an encouragement. He said that we were to continue to pray always and not to lose heart. And then he asked the question, when he returns, will he find faith on earth? And today we have an immediate follow-up to this word of encouragement, this word of questioning from the Lord. And we have these two men in the temple. And the Lord compares one to the other as part of this parable. So let's take a look at each of them and see what overall lessons we can gleam. There's a new verb I heard to gleam from this encounter the Lord has with them in the temple. So first of all, we have the Pharisee. Now, he is one self-righteous dude. Gospel says he trusted in himself and regarded others with contempt. The new International Version says he looked down upon them. You know, the kind of, that looks kind of down the ski slope of their nose, maybe has the glasses kind of on, like kind of this way, kind of looking over, you know, at people like tisk tisking all the time. He says, thank you, God. I'm like other people, especially this tax collector uh, here. He is self-reliant. He didn't think he needed any help from anybody else. And he's taken other people's inventory, especially the tax collector. Now, can we identify with that? Do we find ourselves taking people's inventory? And why do we do that? Well, it makes us feel better. If I compare myself to somebody who I think is less than me, well, then suddenly I look pretty good. We could also take inventory based on fear or jealousy, anger, resentment that we have towards others. And because I don't want to feel resentful or angry or jealous or insecure, well, again, I'll take someone's inventory, get them all figured out so I feel better. Rules can make us feel safe and secure. What do we do when we come up against somebody who is a rule bender? And Jesus himself is the rule bender extraordinaire, but that can be a rather threatening 
rather scary scenario. And so again, I'll take your inventory to encourage myself to convince myself that I'm okay and I'm giving myself a gold star or I'm, I'll date myself, I am giving myself a participation badge. Those of you who are of the same generation as me, remember that participation program we had in school? You get these little rewards for all the things that you're able to do. He goes to the temple, this Pharisee, to pray. And this is a man who has studied the law. He knows the law inside out. He knows all the rules, the importance of following the rules. But his prayer is, was not directed towards God. His prayer is a prayer of self-congratulations. He's giving himself a big pat on the back. He's bragging to himself, really, about all the things that he is able to do. I fast twice a week, he says, and Orthodox Jews did and do fast twice a week on Mondays and Thursdays. I tithe, he says, that is, I give 10% of all that I have over to God. Interestingly, I had a conversation earlier this week with somebody who said to me, Alan, you know, Catholics, they don't tithe. Catholics tip. And I thought, hmm. Let me think about that for a minute. Catholics don't tithe. Catholics tip. Hmm. Anyway, I just throw that out for your consideration. Think about it for a bit. There's no confession of sin on, on behalf of this Pharisee. Maybe he thought, you know what? I really have nothing to confess. Have we heard that one before? Have we said that to ourselves before? Just saying. Um, he has one eye on himself and he has one eye and the other people who are there in the temple even though he despises them he's hoping that they certainly are noticing him he's the one up front you know doing everything uh, perfectly but the bottom line is his prayer is all about himself and as a result he might as well have just stayed at home and Jesus compares his behavior to that of the tax collector. And I wonder, and as I'm getting a bit older, I find myself wondering more often <laughs> because it's my show, I can wonder. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just wondering, could this tax collector have been Matthew? Could this tax collector have been Zacchaeus? whom we will meet in his entirety uh, next Sunday when Jesus calls Zacchaeus down from the tree as he's going through the village of Jericho. Regardless, he, as a tax collector, was a hated man, despised by his fellow Jews. He probably hated himself. He was in a job he may not have liked, but was doing it out of necessity. He may have felt helpless, hopeless, lack of sense, lack of direction. Who knows? But we do know that in the temple, Jesus points out that he is standing far off and he would not even raise his eyes to heaven, raise his eyes to God. And the reason he's standing far off, so you can imagine he's kind of at the back and the shadows over in the corner, the side, where as few people as possible would see him, is because he has, for 
a long time in his life, certainly as long as he's been the tax collector, has felt rejection, felt being evaluated, judged. Everything he did was being put through the lens of how terrible a Jew he was. And the reason why he wouldn't even lift his eyes to heaven, or could not even lift his eyes to heaven, is because the weight of guilt and shame in his life was that great. Think about taking 50 pounds in your arm, trying to do an arm curl with 50 pounds. Like it's like, ah, 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 like it's hard. I, I can hardly do it. Well, so heavy was the weight of guilt and shame in his life that he couldn't even lift his eyes, couldn't even turn up his head uh, towards heaven. That's a pretty heavy weight. And he is beating his breast, which is a sign of sorrow. And we imitate his behavior at Mass, actually, when we pray the Confitier, I confess to Almighty God, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. So we're taking responsibility for our actions, our sins of commission, our sins of omission. And he himself makes what is a very effective act of contrition. Now, maybe you, like me, learnt an act of contrition when we were in school or a part of our catechesis program. When I hear confessions, I say to people, now either in a way you know by heart or in your own words, to say an act of contrition or express a, a prayer of sorrow. So if you're in that situation and you think, you know, I don't know an act of contrition, and what if the priest says I have to do one, and I panic, and or I speak a different language, just imitate this tax collector. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And I have heard that from many people when I ask them to pray an act of contrition when I'm hearing their confession. And it's perfectly legit. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And his prayer is heard, his prayer is granted because it comes from a place of weakness, uh, vulnerability, honesty, powerlessness, not like the Pharisee who himself is just standing there all puffed up with his own sense of self-worth and his own sense of accomplishment, all the things that he's done. He's not even, he's not even communicating to God, right? Except to say that, thank God, I'm not like these people, right? So this prayer of this tax collector is heard and scripture says he went down home justified. He returned to his home. And I, I gave a reflection oh, a while back, you may be able, may be able to find it in the, the catalog of videos here in this channel, on returning home. If there is something about being at home that has a spiritual connection. And when we are at home, that is when we are with God. And many people, spiritually, physically, emotionally, mentally, may not feel as though they are home. And that can be a source of genuine angst and real sorrow in one's life. Maybe you can identify with that. But what the Lord is inviting us to today is this deeper experience of being at home. He returned to his home justified, whereas the Pharisee should have stayed home in the first place. Because see, when we are at home, we're in union with God. And being in union with God means that we are in union with his people. If I am not in union with other people, 
I fool myself into thinking that I am in union with God. That's a connection that uh, Heather King, who is an American author and commentator, uh, made in one of the commentaries that I wrote, excuse me, read earlier this week. Am I fooling myself into thinking I'm in union with God when I'm not in union with the people of God? I'm not meant in the spiritual life to put myself above others, but I am instead meant to mingle with others, to mingle with the people of God, understanding that all the people of the Lord allows me to experience in the course of a single day are those same individuals who can teach me something. Can you identify with the fact that there are many people who come into our life who we perhaps initially thought, ah, this person has nothing to teach me. But in hindsight, we see, no, this person was a great teacher for me in my life. And we thank the Lord for having sent them into our life, even though initially we thought, uh, there's nothing that we have together in common. But we are in common. We are sisters and brothers in the Lord Jesus, who is crazy, head over heels, in love with us. Jesus condemns the behavior of the Pharisee, not the person. doesn't condemn him as an individual, but he condemns instead the behavior. God loves the sinner, but hates instead the sin. The reason why he condemns behavior of the Pharisee is because it is, again, self-congratulatory. It is self-righteous. It takes him to the temple, but does not take him to heaven, does not take him to closer union with God. The tax collector, instead, his behavior is commended by Jesus because it is based and comes from, comes from a place of self-abasement. It takes him to the temple and also takes him to heaven. Now it's true, as the first reading from Sirach tells us today, God shows no partiality. Do we ourselves, again trying to gleam, that verb, to gleam some lessons from today's parable? Do I make evaluations of people based on their education, their looks, their occupation, their athleticism, their family name, what they can do for us, that is to show partiality. But God does not show partiality. It might seem also on first reading that St. Paul, in the second reading that we have, and we're continuing to go through 2 Timothy, it might seem that St. Paul is in a self congratulatory mood. I have fought the fight. I have run the race. I have kept the faith. But St. Paul puts it all in context. St. Paul gives the glory to God. What does he go on to say? He said, the Lord stood by me and gave me strength. It's his strength that I opened my heart to receive. It's his strength that allowed me to fight, that allowed me to run, that allowed me to stay faithful one day at a time. And he says, the Lord reserved for me the crown of righteousness. St. Paul did not crown himself. The Pharisee was crowning himself, telling himself how wonderful he is 
in comparison to the poor schmucks of the world that he was happy he was not one of. I think of the, the coronation of Napoleon in 1804. Uh, Pope Pius VII was to crown Napoleon, Emperor of France. And at the time, during the ceremony, when it came time to put the crown on Napoleon's head, Napoleon grabbed the crown from Pius VII and put it on his own head. <laughs> like, talk about arrogant. Anyway, St. Paul didn't crown himself. We don't crown ourselves. All we have, the spiritual gifts, the graces, the mercy, the love, the power, the peace, everything we have from the Lord, is a gift and I want to accept that gift and be grateful for the gift. The value of the spiritual life, the effectiveness of the spiritual life in transforming and changing us flows from the love that we have for God. Will I mess things up? Yes. Am I perfect? No. Is it about doing it on my own? No. Is it about collecting all the gold stars, all the eager beaver participation badges in the spiritual life? No. Yes, I strive. Yes, I strive to grow in holiness. Yes, I strive to imitate the Lord. Yes, I strive to be a man or woman of charity and action and humility and sacrifice. Yes, we don't just sit back and kind of, you know, put our feet up, kind of coast through life thinking, hey, pff, I'm in, I got it. No, we need to cooperate with the grace of the Lord. But we will always fall short of the glory of God because we, or I'll speak for myself, I'm not God. But God loves me in spite of that. This is the second time in Luke's Gospel the other time being Luke uh, chapter 14, verse 11, where the Lord says, whoever humbles himself will be exalted, and whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And again, in previous episodes of Sipping on the Sabbath, I talked about humility, two definitions that I try to employ in my life. The first being that humility is that I live my life according to my right size. I don't try to be somebody else doing something else from somewhere else. I live my life in reality. And the other definition is that humility is not thinking less of ourself, but thinking of ourself less often. And just like the cross in the spiritual life that we don't go looking for, it'll find us. So it is with humility. The opportunities to practice humility and grow in the virtue of humility will present themselves to us. Believe me, it's to say yes when they come along and cooperate with that, understanding that the Lord is allowing them in our life ultimately for our good, to draw ourselves ever closer in union with himself. To be humble is to ask and to accept the grace the power, the mercy, the movement of the Holy Spirit, God the Father, Jesus Christ, in our life. If you want to understand it in a simple way, look at the first three steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. Step one, two, and three are summarized simply as, I can't, God can, so I let him. 
I can't. God can. So I let him. Lord, do in my life whatever you need to do. Jesus asked last Sunday the question, when I come back, will I find faith on earth? And the answer from today's comparison between the Pharisee and the tax collector is yes. Who has more faith? It is the tax collector, the faith that he has in the mercy and the love of God. His humble prayer is heard. And in the words of the first reading from Sirach, it pierces the clouds. That is, it comes before the throne of Almighty God who loves the humble and the pure of heart. So let us pray. So Lord Jesus, we thank you for the gift of today. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for the gift of this ministry. We pray, Lord Jesus, that as many people as possible would both hear and respond to the word, Lord, that you share with us here today. We thank you, Jesus, for the gift of each person watching or listening to this podcast, Lord. Lord, we come before you as we are. It's a challenging word, Lord. Help us, Lord, to be attentive to any way in which you are stirring up in our heart ways that we are like the Pharisee. Ways, Lord, that we do take each other's inventory. Ways, Lord, that we have dismissed people from our life because they just don't measure up to what we think they should be doing or how we think they should be acting. Help us, Lord Jesus, to understand that whatever we are able to do physically and spiritually is all gift. It's from you, Lord. So we repent, Lord, of any way in which we have become self-reliant, any way, Lord, in which we congratulate ourselves for all that we have been able to do and accomplish in our life. Help us understand, Lord Jesus, that we are truly, truly dependent upon you. My Lord Jesus, we also identify with the tax collector. We come before you, Lord. We know we have sinned. We have indeed fallen short of the glory that you have called us to, Lord. And we do beat our breasts, Lord. And we say, as he did, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And we thank you, Jesus, for the incredible gift of your mercy, that you are indeed a God of second chances. As the Lord, if we are living in any way under the weight of a shame or embarrassment, a guilt about past behaviors in our life, help us understand, Lord, that guilt actually in the spiritual life is our friend, that it moves us, Lord Jesus, to open our heart to you, and that you, Lord Jesus, because you are so merciful and so loving, will wash away those layers of shame and remorse and embarrassment and guilt in our life, Lord, so we can find freedom in you, Jesus. And so we're praying, Lord, right now for anyone who is watching or listening to this podcast, Lord, who can identify with this, 
We pray, Lord Jesus, that they would already, at this moment, Lord, begin to experience a miracle, a healing in their life, physically, spiritually, emotionally. We pray, Lord Jesus, for anyone who is living under a heavy burden, and you know what it is, Lord, that right now, Lord, that they would already begin to experience the alleviation of that weight in their life. We pray, Lord, for anyone who has been and is far from you, Lord, members of our families, friends, co-workers, fellow students, ourselves, Lord, any way in which we have wandered off, Lord, that you would continue to gently call us back to yourself, Jesus. Convict us, Holy Spirit, of our need for your mercy. Convict us, Holy Spirit, of our need for your forgiveness. And that we may receive your forgiveness, Lord. You already now, Lord Jesus, perform a miracle of healing and transformation in our hearts. Rid us of any bitterness, any anger, any resentment, any jealousy, any competition, any ambition in our life, Lord. That puts us above others. Puts others down, Lord. With you, Lord, there is no partiality. Help us, Lord, to treat each other with equal due respect and love. Lord Jesus, you hate the sin, but you love the sinner. And that is us, Lord. That is each of us, Jesus. Thank you for your love. And Mother Mary and St. Joseph, please pray for us and all of our patron saints. Amen. Okay, well, there we go. God bless you. You know the routine. Stay caffeinated. Share, comment, send your prayer requests, even though I might not be able to respond to all of them because of the volume of prayer intentions and comments I get. I do receive them, and I do add them to my prayer list, so please understand that they are being received and they are being acted upon. In the meantime, stay caffeinated and remember that when we are powerless, that's when we're strong and victory is indeed gained through surrender. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs>